sacrifice. So thankful to have the Lamb of God that took my place. Amen. And you know, just this week we had a, the passing of our brother Kenneth Middleton, and he'll be greatly missed. And uh, we found him to be a man who really loves the Lord and died in faith. And he didn't die a loser either. He's not a loser. Amen. He's a winner. Amen. You know, I, I was visiting him here just a few days before he passed, and he actually was very cognate and able to speak quite a few things to me. And, and he said his grandson, I believe Caleb, had asked him, said, Granddaddy, said, if you ever, if you ever, have the op- ever would have the opportunity to stand behind a pulpit and speak, you know, Brother Kenneth, he, I don't know how many times he read the Bible and listening to the message all the way through and quite a well-studied man. Um, he said, but if you had the opportunity to speak, what would you speak on? He said, I would preach on the danger of going to church. And uh, he said, his grandson's like, wow, that, that surprises me. What do you, what, what, what do you, what would, where would that go? And he said, well, you know, there's the dangers of just going to church and just going through the motions and, and not ever really getting anything from God. He said, but I found the danger of going to church is it'll kill you. <laughs> he said, I found out that that old man that I used to be, it died. Amen. Amen. You know, I got to thinking about Enoch and how he lived 60 and five years and then he begat Methuselah and then the scripture says, then Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. So there was a period of time he didn't walk with God. Amen. But then he, he began to walk with God. And, and we know the story is he was found not for God took him. And we have to say again, Brother Kenneth didn't die. He's still just as alive today, even more so than ever. Amen. And, and he's not here with us, for God has received him on the other side. And so I, I just want to thank the Lord for Brother Kenneth's life and what he meant to us. And um, I can remember a lot of times in my early ministry calling him and talking to him about things and him encouraging me and, and always really appreciated our brother and thankful that I was able to serve what time we had here on this side. But this is not the end. It's just the beginning. Amen. And it's the, what a beginning for our brother to... You know, to never have to go back to a wheelchair again, to never have to go back to a crippled up body and, and, and to go through cancer and different things. You know, actually, you know, I, I actually thought he'd never die just because all the things he went through and overcome. But uh, he, he told me in a personal way, he said, you know, I, I, I said, this may strange, sound strange, he said, but I, I love the rapture and the thought of the rapture and taking the body change. He said, but honestly... He said, I've always wanted to go on to the other side. He said, because I want to be one of those that comes back with him. I want to see Jesus. And so that was his desire. And, and uh, actually, I would pray and, and talk to him on that day. And, and, you know, still believing God could touch him. I'd get through with my prayer. And he said, and I said, Brother Kenneth, I'll see you again. He looked at me and he said, yeah, on the other side. That was, that was in his heart. And he knew it. And uh, so we just want to take a moment to think about our brother and 
and to uh, be thankful for the life that he lived here. And I know he'll be greatly missed, not only by this church, but by his wife, Sister Loretta, and, and the family. And, and uh, he was father to many there. And so we just want to take a moment to think about him, and then we'll pray. Let's just take a moment of silence. Father, we want to say how much we are thankful for lives, Lord, that live for you. No doubt if Hebrews 11 could continue to be wrote, our brother's name would even be written there. He died in faith. Lord God, we just ask, Lord, that you would just come and comfort hearts as only you can. Lord, he's got a dear wife that's going to miss him children, grandchildren. We ask, Lord, that you would come and move on their behalf as only you can. Because you are the comforter. Lord, we can say things. We can say words. And we can mean them with all of our heart. And yes, it brings comfort. But nobody comforts like you can. Lord, in those moments of sorrow, you can just remind us of the good times and the good things. And Lord, I'm so thankful for our brother, Lord, he's not suffering anymore. He's in a body of deliverance, complete, whole. Never to go back again to that old mortal realm, Lord, but forever a son of yours and a young body in health. We ask, Lord, you'll just comfort us as a church during these times because we'll miss him, Lord, as he come in and added his little lick of fire, clapping of his hands, singing, worshiping unto you. God, we'll miss him, Lord, but Lord, what a grand reunion day. Lord, when we come to that moment of change, Lord, in our bodies, we see our loved ones rise up from the grave. And Lord, not in their old decrepit bodies, not in their old wrinkled skin and gray-headed. Lord, bound in wheelchairs or whatever kind of humanity, but Lord, young and Lord, a perfect body and perfect health. Lord, the faith that arises in our hearts as we feel that change sweep over us, Lord, to go to match them and to be gathered together to meet you. What a day that'll be, Lord. And I, I believe it's not just a fairy tale or some sandcastle somewhere that'll be washed away, but it's a living reality, Lord. And Lord, help us to catch the vision of that other land, Lord. Lord, that we can see there's, there's more to that land than there is to this land, and it's more real than here, Father. And Lord, today as he would join that cloud of witnesses, and today we once again hear his voice saying, press on. Don't stop. Keep going. It's worth it. It's worth every trial. It's worth every pain. It's worth everything that you would ever go through to, re to be able to experience what I'm experiencing now. Father, we ask, Lord, you'll bless the family in Jesus' name. Bless this service. Lord, may it be just for your honor and for your glory. May your presence just come amongst us, Lord. Help me to step out of the way, I pray, Lord, and allow you to minister to our hearts and needs. Because, God, I, I'm, I'm incapable. I, I can't do anything or say anything on my own that would be of any really any benefit, especially not eternal benefit. But, Lord, it takes you to anoint the word to our heart. And we just ask, God, that you would move in a mighty way, we pray. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Turn in our Bibles to Genesis 1, if you would. Also, Matthew chapter 4. Tim will be home tomorrow evening, and he's had a good time. A lot of, a lot of good things have been done in Newfoundland, and now in New Brunswick there, and we're thankful for that. And we happened to be away this last Wednesday at Brother Jason Jackson's, and a last-minute kind of trip. And and uh, but the Lord, I actually was going to go pick up a little piece of equipment that I wanted, and and uh, he he uh, asked me if I would stop by and minister for them, and. And the Lord had more in plan in the plan than my little piece of equipment, and we're thankful that He He's in control of every every situation. And, and I saw that you had a wonderful time here as well. And and uh, what a mighty God we serve, Amen. It's I tell you that that service Wednesday night, that sermon Wednesday night was just a tremendous blessing and and uh, challenged my own heart, Amen. And and uh, I, I I believe that. At more, I believe everybody ought to hear that and, and, just, and just say, Lord, help me. Amen. I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Amen. And help me to line up to the word of God. Genesis 1 and verse 14 says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, it says, The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. And from that time, that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom is of heaven is at hand. Amen. We'll, we'll let you be seated. I um, actually was preaching on Wednesday again at, at Brother Jason's on the season of change. And um, began to, as I, I spoke there, I, I hit a few things on there and I kind of sparked some more thoughts upon on, on this, on the line here, on this same line. But I'd like to speak to you on the light, the change. Because I believe that's what we're looking for is the ultimate change of our bodies. Amen. But there had to be another change before we'll ever see that change. And, and you know, in reading this scripture, uh, Brother Branham would take from this scripture and preach a message on from that time. And at that, and we'll go into that some uh, this morning. But from that time, amen, this light had come. And, it, and they, they that sat in the region in the shadow of death, light is sprung up. And, you know, I find it very awesome as I begin to look into these things that every time in the Bible and even in our day as we go into it, amen, when God is ready to make a change, whether it be a, a change in, in life or a, or a change in, in, in um, uh, dispensationally a change, there's always a light that accompanies that change. 
And, and, then I, and I see it here as he put it in his word. He gave these lights for, for signs and for seasons. And so he would declare that this light had to be here, amen, so that change could take place upon the earth. And, and if we read about the earth, we could read about it in the Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form. This without form is considered something of no value. It's a waste, a barren place. It was without form and void. And void is an empty space needing to be fulfilled. And so the darkness was upon the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. See, God didn't want to leave the earth in the condition that it was and, and the barren condition and, and, and a, a something that of, of no value, just a wasted, barren place. But he desired to create an Eden upon that barren place. And so in order to create that Eden, he had to first create light. And that light came upon the earth for the first time and it was signifying that change is about to come upon the earth. That is going to leave and go from a barren, wasted condition, amen, to a garden of Eden. And it was going to change the look. It was going to change the feel. It was going to change the landscape of all the earth. Amen. When light comes, it changes things. And God has always used light to mark a change. He, he would use it in Abraham's day when Abraham would go into a deep sleep and, and God would put him into a deep sleep and he would divide the sacrifices and, and all of those things, you know, the scripture. And, and, but it, the, read the scripture, it said a light begin to walk between the sacrifices. And Brother Branham said that was showing that there was to be a change, amen, a covenant that was coming upon the earth, that it wasn't no more I do this and you do this and if you do this, I'll do this, but... I'm going to do this no matter what you do. That it's an unconditional covenant and light marked that change. It was also in the burning bush. It was Moses, you know, the prophet of God that had become just a sheep herder and, and turned his back upon the promises of God and walked away from it and, and, and forgot about it for 40 years. But, you know, on that morning that he rose up, it was different from all other mornings. And, and Moses began to think about his way and how, how he had went off on his own schooling and his own training. And, and he tried to produce something and he'd killed one Egyptian and he was thinking about these things no doubt and something happened a little crackling on a hill caught his attention and he looked over there and there was a light that had come down in a burning bush and, and he said I'm going to turn aside and see what this is what God has done and, and he walks up there and out of that light speaks a voice and, and that voice begins to remind him who he was and why he was here on earth and, and what he was to be and what God had, had ordained him to be and and, and he began to give all of his excuses and say this, that, and the other. But uh, all the excuses, God had an answer. And, and God began to tell him, I am has come down to deliver my people. Now, they had been in slavery some 400 years. But there came a light down to declare a change is upon the earth. A change is coming up for, on, on, on the behalf of my children. And we know how God moved in a mighty way. And that pillar of fire would come down and move through Moses and 
and go through there and he would begin to speak the word of God and said, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Now that change didn't happen all at once, but it, uh, when, when it, it was just as good as done because the word had spoken and it was going to happen. It didn't matter how much Pharaoh hardened his heart or how, how, how it seemed to get worse, make more bricks without straw, all these things that did not change God's mind. It did not change God's nature. It did not change his, his abilities, but God was more determined than ever to bring this change upon his people. And we know the light stayed there among them. Amen. As it would stay there in Goshen, it would be light in Goshen and dark in Egypt. Amen. It was showing there's a change that is coming upon your behalf. Amen. And they, they would go out, amen, with a light. And that light would go with them. And that light would open the Red Sea. That light would give them good waters to drink. That, that light would provide food. That light would provide all kinds of things for them. Amen. That light would lead them all the way into the promised land. It didn't matter if they believed it or not. It it didn't matter if they walked away from it or not. It didn't matter if they denied it or not. That light remained with the children of Israel and it led them into the promised land. Amen. And I, I believe the same thing is coming our generation. A light came down in our generation. What was it? Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Amen. They were bound by denominations. They were bound by sin. They were, they were bound by men's creeds and men's ideas. They were bound by lost truths. Amen. That had, and those truths that had been bound up and mixed all up but the light came and it showed upon those truths and it began to tell what was what and what was not and, and what was true and what wasn't true and it brought the God back in his place and it brought serpent seed back in his place what was it the light began to dawn upon the word and the word began to speak to our hearts and the word began to say hey you don't have to be bound like that no more you can be delivered you don't have to be set, set in those ways amen but God has come down to deliver his people. Amen. We can look at the angels of God. Amen. As they showed the light upon the hill to the shepherds. Amen. That eternal light. That was the same light that came down there in the burning bush. Amen. That was the same one that walked with them and it brought about a change. There was a change of dispensation. It was saying something is about to take place. Go to the stable. Amen. Go to where the, he lays. I, there's a king that's been born. Go to where he's like. There was a voice that spoke and said, hey, there's something that has taken place. And God was beginning to move them from the law to grace. God was beginning to move them from a woolly lamb to him becoming the lamb and taking away their sins and it brought a change he said the angels came down with that light and they began to sing and they begin to shouts begin to take place and a word went forth and said today in the city of David in Bethlehem is born Christ the Savior amen the word began to make light and the light began to come on the word amen and it began to illuminate and show them that a change was about to take place amen Mary on her even before this had even happened Mary on her road to the well, the little virgin, about 17 years old, it was married a man, you know, that had many, had, had, it was an older man, and, and she loved him, and he had children, all these things, and, and you know, and she's beginning to ponder on things, why, why is, why is it like this, I heard, the, I heard something the preacher said, and he said that there was going to be a savior that would come, and how is it going to be, and Brother Brown said, as she was pondering upon the thing, a light began to flicker. 
and a light began to shine. And he said, out of that light stepped an angel. And that angel began to tell her, amen, hell, Mary. Amen, hell means to stop and pay attention to what I'm going to tell you. Hell, Mary, blessed art thou among women, for you have found favor with God, and you're going to bear a child knowing no man. Amen, how can these things be? He said, the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you, and what is born of you shall be of that, that Holy One, and you shall call his name Jesus. Amen. What was it? It was that when light came to declare, there's a change that's coming upon you, Mary. There's a change, amen, that you're going to receive something from God. You're not going to receive it from man. You're not going to receive it from man's ideas. You're not going to receive it from what some priest said or, or some pope said or some this bishop said. You're going to receive it from the Holy Ghost. Amen. I believe there's also another Mary upon this earth that is also a light has appeared to. And he said, you're not going to receive this from any man. You're not going to receive this even from a seventh grade Kentuckian preacher. You're going to receive this from the Holy Ghost. And inside of you shall be born the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is what is taking place. And she said, amen, the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. And what was her response? Be it unto me according to thy word. Amen. And she laid aside, amen, all her doubts and all of her fears and all of her worries. Amen. Immediately, amen, it made a change in her uh, this little virgin's life. Amen. She didn't go about worrying about it no more. She didn't go about, that's not what the scripture says anyhow. Did she have mind battles? No doubt. But in the scriptures, it's declared of her, she began to testify. She began to say, hey, I met somebody and he spoke to me and he showed me these things. And he said, it's not going to come from a man, but it's going to come from Almighty God. It's going to come from the Holy Ghost and that Holy Ghost is going to overshadow me and I'm going to give birth to a man called Jesus. Amen. And we know as she went to her, her cousin's house, amen, uh, that was some miles away. And here she had been promised a son as well. But yet she had become pregnant some six months. But the baby had never kicked. The baby had never moved. There had been no life inside of her. Amen. There had been nothing, amen, that has taken place. But as it came together, amen, Brother Branham said that he put her arms around Elizabeth. And she began to tell her of all that the angel had told her. And she began to tell teller of all that had taken place the supernatural visitation and how God had moved and how the light came down and it began to speak to her and it began to tell her amen behold a handsmaid of the Lord highly favored and he said and Elizabeth said oh come on tell me more about it and he said as he began to speak I said how can these things be he said you'll not receive this from man but you're going to receive these things from the presence of almighty God and he said the Holy Ghost will overshadow me and in me will be born a child and will call his name Jesus and when that name began to be spoke for the first time amen here's Elizabeth with a dead baby and a dead womb and there was nothing happening on the inside of her but when Jesus spoke Amen. Life began to jump on the inside of her. He said, I, Brother Adam said, I believe if the first time Jesus was ever spoke, brought life, I believe we ought to speak the name of Jesus. Because when Jesus, the name of Jesus is spoke, light comes around. Hallelujah. Amen. That song Sister Jessica sings, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Why is that so powerful? Because it's not speaking the name of Abraham. It's not speaking the name of some prophet or some, some president or some king. No, the king. 
Amen. It's speaking the name of the king. And when you start speaking the name of Jesus, darkness starts fleeing. A change begins to take place. Light begins to come down. And the darkness around you, you may feel nothing but darkness, but just speak the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. You might feel all gloomy and all doubtful and all this or that, but if you can just start saying Jesus and speaking the name of Jesus, amen, amen, it'll, it'll take place in your life. Amen, we see here, amen, as that change begin to take place, he said another light, amen, what was it showing? He said, what was that light showing on the hill of, of, of Bethlehem? He said that light was declaring it wasn't no more God above us, but now it's God with us. It was a dispensation change that were taking place. But on the day of Pentecost, that light showed it wasn't no more God above us, God with us, but now it's God in us. Amen. And a change took place. And, and he said on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost fell upon these people, we said we're talking about people that were ungodly. People that had sin in their life. People that had denied him. People that had walked away from him. And the Holy Ghost fell upon these people. And they acted like drunk men and women. They staggered under the impact of that light. Come on now. Hey, listen, we got a whole world that's staggering under the impact of darkness. They're staggering like drunk men and, and they don't know which way is right and which way is wrong. They're staggering and they don't know if it's a man or a woman or this, that, and the other. What is it? They're staggering in the darkness. But I want you to understand also the light has an effect upon you. Amen. And they staggered like drunk men and women under the impact of the Holy Spirit and walked away wagging their heads. And, and these others walked away wagging their These men are drunk of new, of some kind of wine and so forth. He said, but it was absolutely the light. The word that had been prophesied made manifest. As we heard Wednesday night, if we're not preaching that pattern, you're not preaching light. You're preaching darkness. Amen. We know we wonder why our services can't ever get off the ground sometimes. It's because men have preached the move of the Holy Ghost right out of their churches. And they preach darkness instead of light. I had somebody tell me, said, well, I don't think that we, we should think Every service ought to be high all the time. I don't think we should we think that it's going to be dancing and shouting and carrying on all the time. I said, well, I, I, I don't think that either. That's not what that's not what you know determines to me if it was a great service or not. Sure, do I enjoy those times? Of course I do. I've watched that into that last service over and over because I enjoy it. I enjoy that move in that, in that manner, but I also enjoy times that I can't even hardly talk. And tears are coming down on my face, and I got my hands up. I enjoy those moments, too. But I told my wife the other day, I said, you know, I understand all of that, and I understand that that's, not, that's not a problem. But what I don't understand is how come we can't expect a service to be as high as possible? Amen. 
Amen. Why can't we come with the expectation that every service is going to go as high as it possibly can go? Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm wanting to go higher than this earthbound creature that I am. I want to go so high one day, I want to be like any. I don't come back. Timothy Prude walked with God and was not because God took him. But we want to we want to put we want to limit the expectations, and if we're not careful, we'll preach in such a way that people don't expect anything. Brother Branham preached expectations. He said, "What you get is what you expect." Amen. You know, it was light on the day of Pentecost, so that was showing a change. Amen. Things that was about to take place. Amen. Men looked at it and said, well, that's just a bunch of, just a bunch of crazy people. They, they're, they're drunk already. And, and, and he said, how can these things be? It's only the third hour of the day. We're not drunk on wine as you suppose, but we are drunk on wine. Because in Joel chapter 2, it said, amen, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And thy sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will see dreams and the young men see visions. Amen, what was it? He said, yeah, there is a wine you can get drunk on. Amen, there is something that can get you stimulated. Amen, and get you to believe enough to move past your doldrums and move past your unbelief and move past your flesh and move past your pride and move past what you think and move past into the impossible. It's a light that, that, that showing a change. You know, I mentioned this actually at Brother Jason's, and this is part of what got me on this, was, you know, there was a time, Brother Branham, I believe he had a dream or vision, I failed to look that part up, but he had this moment that he heard this lamb that was caught in a bush. He heard that, remember that story? And he said, bye, bye, and he said, the closer he got to it, it started, bye, a meal town, meal town. And he said, you know, I didn't even know where Milltown was. Now, how far was that? We went there about 20 minutes from Jeffersonville by car. And now, you know, that wasn't that far away. And he didn't know where it was. The world has changed. I, I told this too. I, I, I can't ever get past this. There's, a, there's a, a black man that lives over close to Brother Jeff's sister, Esther. Uh, that was somebody had talked to him about him his, and asked him where he, where he met his wife. And, he said, well, she wasn't from these parts. So where was she from? He lives on Germantown Road. He said, well, she was on the other side of Homer. <laughs> but she wasn't from these parts. That's how much the time, uh, things have changed. And so here he begins to ask around, where's Milltown? And finally somebody told him, and he goes up there, and he begins to, begins to walk down the street. And he said he got him a soapbox, pulled it out, and began to preach. They say, you know, he gets a little church and things, all that. And he, and he knows there's something going on. Then he hears about this woman, this little girl that had, you know. Boy, I, I tell you what, you go back and listen to it. You realize this little girl had been going to piano lessons. And her uncle was taking her, and Brother Branham said he ravished her, and that gave her tuberculosis. Think about that. Gave her tuberculosis, and here she is for nine months, or nine years and some months, 
And she's, she had been crying out to God. And she's almost to where she, she has actually rubbed the paint off the, off the bedpost and things of grabbing a hold of. But she had read a book. And she had read of somebody else's healing. And she said, if God could do that for her, then God can do that for me. Now, her family didn't believe it. Her family was against it. Her family, they didn't believe in the healing power of God. They didn't believe in none of that. They didn't believe in God was able to work miracles or do any kind of healing. They was against it. They was even against Brother Branham coming to their house and praying for their little girl. God have mercy. What kind of spirits can get a hold of people? And here they are, and here he is, and he said, finally, he didn't know what else to do but go pray. And he said, I got out there, and I began to pray. And I was like, Lord, I need your direction. I've tried. It ain't worked. I don't know what to do. And he said, you know, the briars got started sticking me. And he said, I moved over. And he said, the mosquitoes started buzzing around. You know, that's how the devil wants to do. Just when you're about to press through and get into something, he's always there to distract you. The phone will ring. This will happen. That will go on. He's always there to try to keep you from it. But he said, if you'll just keep pushing through. Amen. If you'll just keep pushing through. Amen. God will show you something. And he said, about that time when I got into the spirit and I began to pray and God began to move, he said, I looked up and there was a light. He said, this same light, the same light that was hanging here in that dogwood bush was shining right there and said, the voice spoke and said, go by way of Carter's for thus saith the Lord, she's going to be healed. The light had come to declare it's time for a change. Amen. She's been in this moment long enough. She's been in this season long enough. She's been in this disease long enough. But I have come down to deliver Georgie Carter. You're not going to have to do it, William Branham. I'm going to lead you. And I'm going to show you how how it's going to happen. And he walks into that place. And he began to speak the word of God. And here this little frail, 30-something pound girl, 50-something, whatever it was, almost little sticks for legs, jumped up out of bed. And she began to run around praising God. And she began to go out and kiss the grass and the trees and all of that. Why, God, the same one she read about, had now come, the light had come into her room, and it brought a change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know what's so wonderful about that story? I just called just a few days ago. Amen. She went to lessons to play the piano and she was ravished and trying. You think God, you think she would allow the devil to cram her life with some complex over that or some fear over that? No, sir. As soon as she got delivered, what did she go back to? Playing the piano. Hallelujah. You have to push past what you see and look to the unseen. I got a quote here. You say, well, I don't see the pillar of fire. Well, you know what? Brother Branham said he didn't always see it either. There's a quote right here. I got it. He said, you know what? The pillar of fire is here. He said, I don't see it with these two eyes. He said, but I see it by what his word said. Hallelujah. Then we can have the same faith. We may not see it with these two eyes, but we can see it by what the Word says. And what does the Word say? I'll never leave you or forsake you. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be. What name? 
names. The name of Jesus Christ. And when you speak that name, light appears. And darkness flees. Why do you think sometimes, even while the preaching of the word is going forth, what is happening? Light is being released. Amen. And light can go and cut out darkness and people be delivered right at that moment. Why do you think in the scripture said they shall lay hands upon the sick? You know why? Because light is being released. You can read it. Brother Brown talks about it. He said, won't you lay hands? He said, them hands, he said, when you lay them on each other, there's light that goes back and forth. Speaking of a change, Saul on the road to Damascus, going to put the believers in chains and persecute the church of the living God, and a light shined on him. And knocked him off his horse. We can read about it in Acts chapter 9 and verse 4. He fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. I thought I was persecuting a Jew or a Gentile. I thought I was doing it to somebody. You was, but it wasn't to who you thought. Because behind that somebody was Jesus. Amen. I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And the Lord said, Arise and go into the city and it shall be told. The light came and changed him from Saul to Paul. Amen. He went from being a persecutor of the church to the messenger of the church. That's a paradox. Amen. The very one, don't you you know it took him a little while to trust old Paul? (laughs) Amen. He done thrown a bunch of them in jail and he was persecuting the righteous. Amen. And here he was coming against them and throwing them in jail and doing this, bringing them before the law. And all of a sudden, he has a testimony. I was on my way to throw you in jail. I was on my way to throw you in jail and to get your wife and throw her in jail and your children and all this for preaching what you were preaching. But on my way, I met a light. And that light spoke to me and said, Paul, why persecutest thou me? And here I thought it was you, Brother Harry, but I realized right behind there. It's no longer Jesus in the law, but now it's in his grace. A change. And that light came and changed Paul to where he would now come from Saul, the law, to Paul, grace. And he would begin to, to, to go through the Old Testament and pull out what was, what was pertaining to our day. That's why he's a messenger. Same thing with Brother Branham. You wonder why didn't he pull it all out? Because he's a word prophet. He knows what pertains to our day. Amen. He knows exactly what's in there. And so the light changed him from the persecutor to the messenger. Peter was in jail. He was bound, held by two men by his side and two at the door. You think they wanted that man out? No, no. We're talking about the same one that said, I don't know him. I wasn't with him. I wasn't a part of him. I don't know who you, and he did it three times and cursed what was the curse about he was calling down heaven if I've told a lie let me be cursed I love how brother 
Brother Aaron brought that out on Wednesday night. And go tell Peter. What I love about that is even in his death, burial, resurrection, and Peter denying him all through that, he woke up and come out of the grave, and his mind was still on Peter. Peter, you're mine. I gave you the keys to the kingdom, and I ain't changing my mind about you. I, I, you're, I've called you when you were nothing but a lowly fisherman and, and you didn't know how, nothing about anything but I saw you and I saw you in that moment I saw you as you were and I said God and I looked at you and I called you by who you were amen the light came and changed you amen. and here's Peter a denier and now he's in jail not for denying for preaching the gospel for causing such a stir. Hey, they want to throw him in jail for it. You're talking about a change that had been brought in his life. Hey, he faced all kinds of things. And he never one more time backed up from it. But in the moment that he was in that darkness of that cell. Guarded and was going to be kept there. Amen. What happened? A light came in. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're jailed in with this morning, but whatever you're jailed in with, the light can still break through it. I don't care how many devils have been assigned you to try to keep you bound. There's a light that can make them powerless. I don't care how many doors is in your way and bars is holding you. There's a light that'll make you walk through them. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You remember the jailhouse you used to be in and you thought there was no way out. You thought there was no way out of your drugs or your alcohol or your sin or your pornography. But all of a sudden, a light shone upon you and it changed you. Woo! And he said he walked Peter by the first gate and the second gate and the third gate into the city. Oh, glory to God. I'm looking at men and women here that were bound by demons of hell. They have been a sign to keep you there. They have been a sign that you didn't ever leave there. Have been a sign to hold you in chains. Have been a sign to hold you in bars. Have been a sign to keep you down. But a light came down. And it led you past sanctification, justification, sanctification into the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That same light is in the building right now. That same light is in the building right now. And it's here to declare, I have come to change someone. It led him from prison into freedom. Light came in the darkest of times. The dark ages. All truth had been blacked out. And the devil thought, I've got it now. I've smashed them. I've killed them. I've thrown them in prison. You heard about it Wednesday. I pulled them apart. I cut their guts out. Ain't nobody going to live it now. And a light comes shining. And Luther catches this light. And he nails his thesis to the wall. The just shall live by faith. What was it he had saw? They were charging for what God had freely given. 
They were charging for repentance. They were charging to get you out of hell or purgatory. They was charging, 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 charging. He said, but that is not what Christ done. Christ came and died freely that you might freely live. And the light struck him and he said, the just shall live by faith. That was light. Light came upon Wesley. Here he was kicked out of churches. He would would do whatever, but he would preach and preach and preach. And light came and dawned upon his life in darkness that there has to be a sanctification. There has to be a, a clean out, a cleaning up. Light would come on Azusa Street. Hello, somebody. I know some people preach against it so much they want to turn it into darkness. That wasn't darkness. That was light. But just as darkness got into Luther's movement and got into Wesley's movement and got into the Pentecostal movement, yeah, darkness got into it. But when it came, it was light. It was the life of Christ moving through the body. (laughs) So all of a sudden now, the life has moved up into the head. It's moved up, amen, up and up and up and up into the tassel, past all of that, past the, the shock, into the weed again, into the grain again. And all of a sudden, we don't need the arms, we don't need the legs, we don't need none of that because we're up here. All of that was light. People want to do away with the gifts, well, why don't you do away with sanctification and justification? There was just a bunch of part of the restoration as anything else. Amen, but here they are, moving right up, light came. It was also light that would come upon a birth of a little boy in a little Kentucky cabin. And here he was just born, just at the morning, morning, right before the break of the morning. It was testified over and over and over of a light that began to circle around his bed. And that light would follow that little boy and he would hear things, see things and it would cause him to have so much stomach troubles and this, that and the other being tore up and one saying it was God, one saying, most of them say it was the devil. So crazy. And here he is wondering, what, what, I go to my pastor and he says it's this and I go to this one, they say it's this and I go to this and he goes and finds himself in a cabin. And he's sitting in the darkness. And all of a sudden he hears a And a light appears. And the light begins to glow brighter and brighter. Until out of that light steps a man about six foot tall. Hair down around his shoulders. White garment, olive complexion. He said, I've been sent from the presence of God. To tell you of your unusual birth. And he begins to tell him the change that's about to take place. <laughs> you're, you're, I, I've called you for a purpose because you're going to go before all the world and you're going to preach and you're going to show signs. And these two signs will be here. You'll have a sign in your hand and then you'll come to the place that you know the very secrets of the heart. So you're going to pray for kings and potentates. What was it doing? It was signifying a change is taking place. It was saying, listen, you're going to be no longer just a Kentucky preacher, but you're going to be known worldwide. And, and you're going to get, come to a place that you'll pray for the sick. And he said, I want you to understand, nothing will stand before you. Not even cancer. Cancer. 
nothing will stand before you. Nothing will stand before you. What was it? It was declaring a change. Amen. That way, what he, showing him how that what he was experiencing was not a devil, as some were saying, but it was the pillar of fire, the light, the fire that came service after service after service. And that light would make such a change in William Branham's life till his ministry would go around the world and around the world and around the world and millions be touched and healed and delivered because of that light. And he never got away from that light. He spoke of that light all the way through his ministry. He would come down to every end of every service in a healing service. And he said, now you know what I'm waiting on. He said, because William Branham can't heal, he can't do anything. But if he'll come. If he'll come and, 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 and say what I, back up what I've said to be the truth. And then all of a sudden things would change. And he'd go, he is here. What was it? It was a light that came down. Amen. He is here. And I take every spirit under my control for the glory of God. And wheelchairs would be emptied and cots would be emptied. And spirits of every kind would be delivered. People would be delivered from. What was it? It was the light that was around them. It would come in such a manner that we now have it as a picture on our wall. And it's more than just a picture. That picture was not about William Branham. That picture was about the light. It was speaking of a change, a change of dispensation, a change that was coming upon people that had been sitting in darkness, was about to see a great light. Amen. Brother Bob, we know the story how Brother Bosworth took up that Brother Bess on his debate. And then he comes down and he says, Now I know Brother Branham was in the building. If he wants to come and dismiss the audience, he can come to the platform. Brother Branham, I know you're sitting here, and everybody was beginning to look around. He said, I know you're sitting, and if you want to come and dismiss the audience, a word of prayer, all right, but you're under no obligation. He said, my brother Howard sat there and said, hey, do you, do you just sit still. I said, all right, I'll spot my plans. All of a sudden, I felt something moving. and My wife grabbed me by the hand and said, honey, I said, sweetheart, just a moment, the angel of the Lord is here. And as he said, he, Howard said, Bill, you're not going down there. Look, it, it, people are screaming and carrying on. You're not going on down there. I said, Howard, stand aside, son. The angel of the Lord is now telling me to go down there. And the ushers begin to throw their hands together and made a line. And I begin to walk up the, down to the platform. And I said, I do not claim to be a divine healer. Don't think hard of Mr. Best, although he had hired some photographers to come listen to this. He hired a commercial photographer at the Douglas Studios. Write them to see if you want to find out about it. Connected with the American Photo uh, Photographer Association. He had hired Mr. Kipperman of, the, of that association and all this. And he said he had done all this to try to prove God didn't do what he said he does. So then when I started to go down the platform... They said, no more pictures, so forth, because they had taken pictures in the meeting and they would sell them. It's not right, commercializing anything that belongs to God. That's not right. That's the wrong thing to do. So we stopped all the pictures, so they didn't let pictures be taken. So don't think anyone, anyone think hard of Mr. Best. I think he was sincere till he looked down the row of stretchers and cots and things laying here. These people laying here with cancer. 
going to be dead in a few days if God don't help them. The doctors have given up on them. They've done their very best, but they can't do no more. I believe he was sincere. He said he felt sorry for those people. He can't feel sorry for those people and then try to rob them and black out the only hope they have of living. How can you feel sorry for them? Like taking food away from a starving man and saying you feel sorry for him. He said, I don't believe that was sincere. But anyway, anyhow, he come running to the platform. Branham, yes, sir. As a man, I admire you. As a preacher, I don't think much of you. That's a paradox. So, Brother Branham said, that's mutually felt. Well, I don't think the prophet would say it. Well, he did. He said he walked on off the platform. And that was all. And I said, all right. Look, I don't claim to be a divine healer. I was reminding my Lord when he came, said, come down. They said, come down and perform and let us see and we'll believe you. And some devil, he was on the cross. They put a rag around his face and said, if you'll tell us who hit you, we'll believe you'll be a prophet. He knew the woman at the well. She had five husbands. He knew Nathaniel. He knew all things. He knew the fish had a corn in his mouth. If you're a prophet, prophesy. Tell us who hit you. And he didn't open up his mouth. And they put him on the cross, said, if you be the son of God, come down and let us see, prove it. That same soul spirit them preachers had back there, that same spirit lives now in other preachers, right on down through every age. You don't have to be a preacher to preach a gospel and stand behind the pulpit. Your life is a written epistle. Your life preaches more than anything else does. Said, heal this one. Let me see, heal this one. He's past the pool of Bethesda, heal one person. And they was questioning him. And he said, He just simply said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I can do nothing except the Father show me. For the Father loves the Son and shows him what to do. And he will show you greater things than the healing of this diabetic or tuberculosis or whatever, that you may marvel. But I can do nothing except I see a vision of what the Father has done. They said, well, what about these lame, halt, blind, twisted, withered, twisted, all of this? He said, I can't heal no one. This I do say. When I was born up in the state of Kentucky, according to my dear mother and those that were with her, and it's been vindicated through all my life, there came a light in the room in that little old house there, a little shack, no floor in it, didn't even have a window just a little door, and they pushed it around about 5 o'clock in the morning, and that light circled in just about the breaking of day. And I said, since that time, that light has been with me. It's the angel of God. He met me in person a few years ago. Down through my life, he told me things that have happened, and I've told it just as he told me, and I challenge anybody at any place to go to any city where I was raised or anywhere that a statement has ever been made in the name of the Lord what it came exactly the way it said it would. Now, not by me, it was by him, that light. <laughs> I said, it was, it, he's always told the truth. He's always, he said, if he doesn't back up what he said, he never made it. He never said it. But if he made the statement, God will stand behind what he promised. He said, I don't know how that makes you feel. 
He said, I don't, he said, don't think I'm off, off my sense of balance. I know where I am, but I know what I'm talking about. Every man that's born of the Spirit of God, every woman knows what they're talking about. That whether you can appropriate the faith, I don't know, but what God says is the truth. And if I told the truth, he will testify to the truth. And at that moment, coming down over the audience where I was, and this excited this photographer, he saw it, and he he got a picture of, snapped a picture. God will testify, I will say no more. Mr. Best took a lot of pictures of him with Brother Bosworth with his finger in his face for his propaganda. They take it back. Mr. Kipperman takes it back. And he goes to, goes to uh, try to take the negatives and take them into the room and do all their scientific stuff they did, did with pictures and stuff or do with pictures. And, and he comes back and he begins to scream. Because there was only one picture of that night that took. All those others that with Mr. Best with his finger in his face, they didn't take. Something destroyed the negative. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. Don't you know the devil thinks he's got a lot of pictures of you? He got a lot of pictures of you in a bar room, you with another woman, you with all kind of sin, you sitting in a denominational church. But when he gets them out and he tries to develop them, something destroyed the negative. Hallelujah. If I can get it across to you this morning, the light has destroyed the negative in your life. The devil has tried to crown you with negativity and negativity, but the light has come to destroy the negative. And there was only one picture, and it was him. Hallelujah! And the only picture the devil will ever get with you is Jesus Christ. The light shining out of your body. I believe we ought to rejoice this morning. The devil thought he had a lot over your head and he tried to crown you with a lot of things, but all of those pictures have been destroyed. There's only one picture that God has of you and that was the picture he took before the foundation of the world. There was a lot of pictures. The devil thought he had a Kenneth Middleton. Had all kind of uh, ugly pictures. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. The devil was more into selfies before you was. (laughs) Got him again. (laughs) Yep, look at He fell again. Man, this is fun right here. I just want to rub this in his face. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. I got him. Drink Bud Light and beer, whatever, whiskey. I got him again. Look at him. I got him. He's on that computer again. Got him. Look at that. Right there, he's talking to somebody, pushing gossip through. I got him. 
He runs down into his little laboratory and he starts pulling them through. <laughs> Hallelujah. What is it? It come across. The word said justified. Yes, justified. Yeah. Justified. Justified. Never did it in the first place. Blacked you out of the picture. It took you right out of it. That ain't who you are. You have been now bought, freed, son or daughter of God. <laughs> he says, it took out the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, perfectly blank. Every one of Mr. Best was blank. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyhow. He pulled out the one taken of me, and there was the angel of God, the pillar of fire, hanging there. He grabbed his heart. He fell forward. He screamed. He ran downstairs. It was about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. He began to holler and scream, come forth. He began to say, look what, I've, look what I've got. They took the camera there to George Lacey, and he was involved with the FBI, and Fingerprints and such, and he examined it. He comes in, he said, whose name is Reverend Branham? Kind of tough-looking fella. He said, but now he saw that picture. He had softened up a lot. I said, mine, sir. He said, stand up. And I stood up. He said, Mr. Branham, said, you have passed out of this life. You'll pass out of this life someday like all mortals. He said, I'm aware. But thanks be to God who gives me the victory through Jesus Christ. He said, sir, I've heard of your meetings. He said, honestly, I said those things were psychology. He said, I've seen pictures where saints and them lights had been around them. I said, well, that was just an artist painting. It was just psychology. Some artist had thought about it and painted it on there. He said, well, Reverend Branham, I believe it was the truth now. He said, that mechanical eye of that camera won't take psychology. It was absolutely a genuine picture, the only one in the world's history today that can be proven. He said, he, he said there was no such a thing. They said there's no such a thing as a supernatural being. It could not be scientifically proved. He said that day is past. It's here now. People have been screaming and crying and everything. He said, come forward and receive the negative. Picking up the negative, he said, William Branham, it went through everything. Said, absolutely, I'm willing to sign my name to any document that the, that light struck the negative. He said, psychology don't give light. Hello, somebody. Psychology don't give light. Tears rolling down my cheeks. I looked around and there it was. God had vindicated a seventh grade education. Things they said was fanaticism. God has vindicated to be the truth to a scientific world once and for all. With that light, he came down for more than just a picture. He came down to make a statement. Revelations 10, 1, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud and a rainbow upon his head, and his face 
was as it were a sun and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open. Now, if you read just a few verses, chapters before, it was a closed book. And John's weeping. But now the angel has it, the light has it, and it's opened. A change had took place. And he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth. A change had taken place. I have come down to take dominion. Amen. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand, hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and things that are in on the earth, things that are there in the sea, things that are in that should be time no longer. Time for denominational ages no longer. They're no longer in power. Sin is no longer in power. The time of darkness is over with. For my people. Oh sure, darkness is going to continue on just like it did in Egypt. Just like it did when Jesus was here on earth. But his people continued saw a great light. And those that sat in darkness moved to the light. Amen. This is what he's saying. The time, amen, of denominations and their ideas and their creeds and their dogmas is over with. Time for a change. And in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open upon the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, take it and eat it up. Who is John representing here? The bride. Amen. There's a change, a dispensation. From the angel to the people. Amen. And you take the book and you eat the book, but it'll make thy belly bitter. Hey, listen, sermons like Wednesday night is going to bitter, all oh, tear you up. It'll get you in some soft spots. I'm not even going to ask for hands how many feet were stomped on. But if you eat the book, it's going to cause some turmoil. It's going to cause all that old ungodliness to move out and that darkness. And light's going to win. Light's going to win. And, light, and he said, but it'll be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hands and ate it up. Eat it up. And it was in my mouth, sweet as honey. As soon as I ate it, my belly was bitter. And he said, thou must prophesy again. It's time for a change. Amen. From the prophet to the prophecy. For the bride. Now, now, now it's not just a God above us, God with us, God in us. Or now even God visiting a prophet. It's God and a bride. And the light has come down to show there's a change that has taken place. He said this bride will be the final voice to the final age. I believe Brother Brown was part of this bride. But this bride will be the final voice to the final age. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, But of the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need, I write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come 
as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them and travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. Hallelujah. I thought there'd be a few praise the Lord's there because this is our scripture. Paul, even though he thought he was going to fulfill this, he didn't. He didn't know there was going to be seven more church ages. The difference between us and Paul is we know we are in the last one. So this is speaking about the body change. So this is the last age. So Paul is actually writing to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, you're not part of this darkness. You're not part of this destruction. Because the light has come. You're not part of this. That, that day should over or that day would take you as overtake you as a thief. But ye are all the children of light. The children of light and the children of the day. And we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep and do as others, but let us watch. And be sober, for they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunk in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober. Put it on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God, oh glory, for God has not appointed us to wrath. Woo! I'm not going through the tribulation period. I'm not going through the torment. I'm going in a rapture. How do you know there's going to be a rapture? Because the light has come and declared a change is upon us. Not appointed us to wrath, but to, to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God. I pray this shuts every lying devil up. Wants to come tell our young people, you're going in tribulation. You're appointed for wrath. You're appointed for, no, I'm not. God didn't put you here by accident. He didn't put you here, amen, for no purpose and no being. And just to see if he could. He put you in a certain family that believed a certain message. And maybe today they don't believe it no more. But God still put you there. And God still is orchestrating your life. And God is still moving on your behalf. And God is still, because he has not appointed you to wrath. I need to say that again because somebody needs to hear it. He has not appointed you to wrath. But to obtain salvation. Mm. By our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. That whether we wake or sleep. Whether we alive and remain or we go by the grave, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also ye do. Ephesians 5 says, you were sometimes in darkness, but now are ye light. <laughs> so you, Ephesians 5 and 8, for you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord Therefore, walk as children of the light. Sometimes darkness, but now. Was darkness, but now. 
wasn't doubts and frustrations, but now. Was bound, but now. Wasn't all kinds of sin and ungodliness, but now. Was all confused, but now. From that time, God called you from a life of darkness by light, and it has caused a change. You may not know exactly the moment that happened. It may not be as dramatic as it was with Saul or Moses, but you just know that one day I was this, and now I'm this. I believe we ought to, ought to know that, that we know that we know that we know. But it can happen in just a moment. It can happen at a quick repentance at an altar, your seat, or in a car, wherever. You say, well, I don't know about what I do. Go back a few years and look at our brother Jason Roncalli's post. In a car, what, did he miss a red light or red light, something happened and Got him angry and he said he cursed. And it brought conviction to his heart. And right there in that car, he said, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to give myself to you. God can use whatever he wants to use. He used a mechanical light for goodness sakes. He can use a donkey. He can use whatever he wants. However he wants. Just know that yesterday I was one thing, but today I'm different. And the difference is the light. The difference is him. He made the difference in my life. I just say I'm trying to trying to help somebody here because some some people they look for that light to just beam and knock them off a horse. It don't always happen like that. It can be some situation. I, I heard of a young man, I believe it was your nephew, who just walked into his room and the prayer, he's a, uh, are gone, out in the world. Well, maybe not even thinking about God. Walks in his room and the angel was there. And it met him and it changed him in his room. I want to ask you, why was that angel there? Well, the same reason that angel came to Peter. There were some people that was praying for Peter. And said, God, we got your son over there in the jailhouse. Go get him out. And sometimes it can happen in such a supernatural way, it takes you a long time to believe it even happened. Amen. He walked up to those very same people that were praying for him, and he knocks on the door, and door, one of the girls, I think it was Dorcas or somebody like that, came to him, opened the door, and said, Ah, right, Peter, and slammed the door in his face. It can happen sometimes. You have a hard time believing it happened. But just keep watching. Just keep watching. It'll come and it'll keep on coming. It'll move and it'll keep on moving. Doubts will fall off. Change will fall off. Unbelief will fall off. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's get in one mind right now for a moment. If we can all begin to pray for our loved ones and, and those that are out there in prison and those that are out there, and the devil has said, I've got guards over them. They ain't coming out. But a little mama begin to pray and a daddy begin to pray and a church begin to pray and God, rich in mercy, went to where they were. 
It might be a light that gets them. Put up. Red light. Whatever it is, God get them. Go listen if you would like to from that time. He says, you know, as a little boy or girl, child, some things happen that you can point back to and say, from that time, such and such has taken place. And from that time, thus and thus. He said, maybe the immoral woman could say something like this. I was a virtuous girl. I was raised in a strict Christian home by a godly father and mother. One day I was just as pure as a lily until one day, one night I took a ride with a certain boy and we drove up to a dance hall. And from that time, you can always relate back to some time something happened. Whether it's good or whether it's bad. He said here not long ago, he was in New York City with a Dr. Bird. He was a pastor of Bethel Tabernacle. They had some missions down on the, calls it the Bowery. He said, I wanted to visit it. He used to hear as a little boy's song. It's a picture of a life on the other side. Someone who's fell by the way of soul that's gone to, out with the tide that might be happy some, might have been happy someday. There were men laying all under that great trestle. Some of them perfectly helpless, laying on the street, awful, impure conditions. There, there was Chinatown just below it where they'd buy all their dope and drugs and things. So I said to Dr. Bird, perhaps these men come from real bad homes, never had a chance. He said, very surprising, Brother Branham. Those men, many of them were at one time great men. Hear that fellow laying over there? See that fellow laying? I know him. Let's see if we can wake him up. And I went over and I shook him, gray whiskers all over his face, stuff running from his mouth. His shirt dirty. He almost smelled like a pig pen. I thought, must be somebody's daddy, some poor soul that fell by the way. I said, what's your name, sir? And he wanted me to give him some money for a drink. I said, oh, I can't do that. I'm a minister. Just come. To, I couldn't give you money to drink. I'll buy you something to eat. But tell me, how did it ever happen? How was you always in this condition? I said, no, sir. He began to talk to me. He said, you're a minister? I said, Yes, sir. He said, help me up. And I put my arm around him and tried to stand him up. He was just too helpless. He just kind of squatted down on the street and followed, fell over. And I stooped down, leaned him over on my shoulder. He said, Mr. I, he said, Mr. I, I don't want, you don't want, want hardly believe my story, I suppose. But no more than five city blocks from here, I was the president of that bank right there. I said, sir, is that true? He said, go ask him. I said, well, what happened? I come home one day where I had a lovely family, and I found a dear John letter laying on the table. I loved her so much I couldn't forget her, and from that time, he said, there you are, from that time, that time marked something. Something marks it. You can ask the drunk, the alcoholic, when did you start drinking? I never drank a day in my life until one night I was out with a bunch of fellas at a little celebration, took my first drink, and from that time. It starts something. Said, I talk, he said, I talked to a lady here not long ago trying to reunite her with her husband. I said, bring your husband and come see me. And she said, I can't do it, Brother Brown. I said, why can't you? I just don't want to face it again. Will you go and talk with him and see if he'll talk me back, take me back? I said, 
what's so bad? She said, Brother Branham, John and I were married. I was as virtuous as a woman could be. We moved into a neighborhood, went to a church, and did what was right. One day, a tall, tall, dark, handsome salesman knocked on my door, and I invited him in. And from that time, I've tried to straighten up every new year and start back again, but I've never been able to do it from that moment. Here's some time ago, I went to an emergency room in a certain building. It was supposed to be insanity, and I walked through the door, and there was this lovely, pretty young woman, about 25 years old, sitting there looking at me, and I said, how do you do? Some of them in straight jackets and cursing and filled with demon power. And I said, well, it's kind of hard to tell where to start praying first. And she said, if you don't mind, sir, start with me. And I said, with you? She said, yes, sir. I said, you're not a patient. She said, I sure am. Well, what's wrong with you? I said, well, I suppose I'm insane. She sure don't look like it. Could you listen to my story? Certainly. She said, when I was a young girl, Brother Branham, I was raised in a real Christian home. I started going with a boy that smoked. First thing you know, I was smoking. One night he spiked the coke with whiskey and started me drinking. And then I started from that into prostitution. And I lived in the very gutters of the blackest of hell. I served four years in a Catholic institution, a good shepherd's home. In there, I turned a new page. And I said, when I get out of here, I'm going to go straight. And I meant it. But as soon as I got with that crowd again, it was all over. Did two years in a women's state penitentiary here in this state. Then I thought truly I was reformed. I came home, joined another church, told the pastor. We went down the altar, talked it over. I just can't keep from it. I, it started again one night. I said, lady, don't you want to be a real lady and have a husband and babies like a real woman? She said, oh, with all my heart. But look at me now. I've tried. But you haven't tried my Lord yet. Hallelujah. Yes, I have too, Brother Branham. I've signed pledges and vows and made promises. That's not what I'm talking about. As old-fashioned a way as it seems to be, it's a devil. She said, I always believe that. He drives you to do things you don't want to do. I believe that. Would there be hope for me? I said, certainly. And we knelt down and prayed. And a while she raised up, brother, beautiful woman, great soft looking eyes, tears running down her cheeks. She said, now, Brother Branham, I believe I'm going to go out and make a new life. She said, Sister dear, you ain't done nothing but turn a page. I won't do it no good. You'll go back and do what you've done before. Stay until God speaks back to you. We got down again together and prayed, and I left her praying. Come back, she said. After a while, she rose up from there, and she looked around the room, those big eyes looking at me. She said, something has happened to me. And I said, now you got it. Now you got it. You don't have to turn new pages. It's over with. From that time, she was a changed person. She's married, got a lovely home and two children now. And you can point her fingers to at any time. Something that happened to her that was immortal life. It was a light. When that light comes, life changes. There's something that can happen to a person. And you cannot be the same after this. You meet this God. You meet this light for yourself. And when a man meets God, he's changed. Something happens to him. He's never the same once he meets God. Face to face. So he talks about Abraham. Abraham needed a change. He done got on. Now on a hundred years old, his wife up to about 90. And it looked impossible. He said, but all of a sudden, a light came down to earth, and it picked up dust, and it created a body. 
And he created two more bodies for angels to walk in. And he comes walking down a dusty path. And Abraham looks up there, those three men, he said, my Lord. See, Abraham didn't have no problem with the Godhead. He knew there was only one God. And he goes and prepares him a meal. He's going to host him. I think that's a good thing to do. When God comes by, be prepared to entertain him. Stay a while. I think we learned a valuable lesson Wednesday night. Stay a while. If you want more of God, just stay for a moment. Just like when he walked down the road of Emmaus and he made on as if he was going to go further. And they constrained him to come in here and eat with me. And when they brought him into that inner place, into that moment, he began to break bread unto them. Just as he did when he fed 5,000. You want more of God? Just stay a moment. Allow God to speak to you. Allow, that's what we learned just with this girl right here. She tried too quickly to get up. Amen. We want to be prepared to allow God and to entertain him and say, God, I have a need. I need you to speak to me. I need you to touch my heart. And here he had it. And he goes and prepares a calf sandwich and some milk. And we've been hearing about it from our pastor. But he needed a change. He's heard the promise. He heard the word. God had spoke to him about himself and, and, and his wife Sarah and how that they was going to receive a child. But he knew, I can't do it. I can't do it in this old rag of a body. I'm in. That ain't possible. Sarah back there fuming that morning, laughing, scoffing. She knew she couldn't do it. She had all kinds of faults and failures. She needed a change. But a light came down. And that light began to discern her heart and began to tell her what was going on in her life and how she was laughing at the promise and how all the things. But don't worry, she's going to receive a child. Amen. And they got that promise. And Brother Adam said that light begin to change their body. And it changed them from an old man and woman to a young man and woman. It's a mystery of the change written right there in Scripture. Amen. We know it as common knowledge. Many people glass right over it and one don't even know that it even happened. Matter of fact, we were speaking to some people one time and they didn't think the rapture even was real. And we began to show them Enoch and show them Abraham and Sarah and all these things and say, hey, this is not just a fable. It's written in Scripture. But light had to show on it. And light changed these bodies from an old ragged woman to a woman a king would want. And that light is changing you from an old ragged human being into somebody a king desires. Amen. A king desireth thee. He don't want you in your rags of humanity. He don't want you in your feeble body. He don't want you in your old downtrodden state and your mind battles. He wants you as he is. So therefore, he has to send the light down to produce the change. And here we can read about all the ones through the scriptures. We can go through different others again. But I want to get down to a few things as we bring this down to a close. Of course, I always get moved by the woman at the well. Had a lot of husbands, made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. 
You had a lot of husbands. A lot of people that tried to change your name. Come on now. Try to put all kind of names on you. Doubt, unbelief, fear, pornography, smoke and drink, whatever kind of name. Denominational names. All kind of husbands. And you left one. You're trying to get away and you're trying to find freedom. And you find yourself at a well. And all in her mind, she is trying on her own. She had her water pot. And she's walking up there to get her get some water. And this voice of this little frail looking, homely looking body said, There was no beauty that we should desire him. Sitting over there. And he's looking at her, watching her as she walks to the well. Watching her, she begins to dip her jug down in there to get a drink. And he said, Woman, would thou give me a drink? She said, Well, it ain't customary for a Samaritan, for a Jew to speak to a Samaritan. You know, it's very religious. He said, If you knew who I was, you would ask me of a drink. And she said, Well, Ask you of a drink, what good would that do? You don't have a water pot. The drink he wanted to give her had nothing to do with an earthly water pot. And he begins to reveal himself. What was it? The light came to visit her. And it began to illuminate her life to the point he could tell her, and I, and I can't help it, the chosen picked it up. As he began to discern her heart and tell her what her husbands were like. Tell her how she liked, oh, he, he smelt of oranges on their wedding night, and she loves oranges. And this, I don't know, just, just part, but he began to discern her heart, begin to tell her about what she had done, all, all the things she had done. So apparently, he told her a lot of details about her life. And he brings her to a point that she begins to realize this ain't more, this ain't just a Jew, this ain't just a prophet, this is something more than a prophet. And he said if the Messiah would come, he would tell us all things. He said, I'm he. And she left her water pot and ran into the city. What was it? The light had come and changed her. So she wasn't no more worried about earthly things. She wasn't worried about her old water pot no more, her other husband. Her name had been changed. What a mighty God we speak, we speak of today. Listen to this. He said, if the Lord Jesus would tell me what you're here for, I couldn't heal you if you're sick. I couldn't tell you on my own. I couldn't heal you. I couldn't give you desire. It'll be your faith in him. But I only claim he raised from the dead. You understand? Well, may God grant it, sister. Just talking to you to contact your spirit. But now in the audience, the audience can still hear my voice. Between she and I, comes the same light that you see in the picture. And she's going away from me now. I see her doing work. She's very nervous. She drops things. She's suffering with skin trouble, which is cancer in her skin. That's thus saith the Lord. Is that the truth? If it is, raise your hands. Thank Jesus by your stripes. Say, thank Jesus by your stripes. I'm healed. Now, just to speak to you, other things would take place. Do you believe that? Now, let's talk to the woman just to see what he would say. If we could just get, just, just uh, let's talk. 
What was it? He said he was wrong. It was something or another. I seen you do something, drop something, do something. I have something in the house. Yes, his skin. It's cancer in the skin. She's bothered with trouble, another trouble. That's on the side in her breast. Is that right? Yes. She's got pains. Yes. Is it left side and breast? Yes. And she's worried about that. That's what's making her nervous because she thinks it's cancer as well. Is that right? Yes. Which it, which it is. That's true. But look this way, lady. You know there's something here besides your brother. In the, if the audience can still hear me, there's something. It's him. He's the one you know. Amen. There's a change that's come to you. Amen. What is it? It was the light. It was the light that came down that brought the change upon you. Amen. It was the light around the woman. Darkness has been drove back now from the shadows of death. And now it's come the shadows of light. I bless you, sister, in the name of Jesus. Go your way. You are healed. You've been sick, very sick. I believe I hear, hear him say it was about the bowels. That's right. You're very nervous. I see some kind of examination. You're looking at something with your clothes down, your, your lump on your side. That's right. Jehovah Jireh's present. Can't you see that, friends? What's the expression on the woman's face? As, uh, watch the expression on the woman's face change as soon as the light has settled over her. No wonder sometimes you can be in a moment and all of a sudden something will change and joy come into your heart and you'll begin to rejoice. What was it? The light settled over you and it began to change things around you. He said, when you're healed, I see a white light. That same light goes around and just blesses it's like a blessing. I was just watching something the other day talking about the law of reproduction. Do you know that when a seed goes into an egg and when it comes and it fertilizes, a burst of light, they can catch it on cameras, a burst of light takes place. <laughs> We're talking about natural. How much more the spiritual? And people want to think there's something about somebody because they act a little funny. Listen, you have that burst of light happen in you one time and see how you're going to act. It's a change. Something takes place. He had to change Abraham's and Sarah's body. So he come down in the light. He knows the secret of, he knew the secret of art. The next thing was the change of the body in order to receive the promised son. That's the next thing in line now. The rapture of the church, the changing. We which are alive and remain shall not prevent them that are asleep. For the trumpet of God shall sound, the dead of Christ shall rise. And we which are alive and remain shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of eye. We've got to have a changed body to meet him in the air for the rapture. The next thing to the children of Abraham. How many children of Abraham? The light. The sound, the trumpet shall sound. The real children of Abraham shall be changed and the body be made light. And we go up to meet him. Let's stand together. The light, the change. How many thankful this 
morning, he's brought a change in your life. When you gave your heart to him, it was an explosion of light. Day of Pentecost, there was an explosion of light. Why do we think it's any different today? If it's the pattern, if it's the same God, it's an explosion of light. Not to just change your nature, but to also change your mortal body. That's what he said about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit being such a great measure until it changes our mortal body. That light shining so brightly upon you to where you don't see nothing of this old world. All you can see is Jesus. So thankful he made a change. Let's bow our heads. Father, oh God, where would we be if it wasn't for that light, Lord, to change our hearts? And to change our lives. To change us from the creature that we are. From immortality, or from mortality to immortality. Lord, I'm looking at such creatures that were one time children of darkness. One time they had a life of sin. One time they did a lot of things. But the light came and struck the negative. Lord, it's justified as though they'd never done it in the first place. Sanctification come into our hearts, cleaned us up. Then you came down and filled us with your spirit. How great thou art. We love you, Lord, with all of our hearts. Lord, if there's been somebody in here who says, Lord, I, I need a change. I've allowed the devil to come and do things in my life, and I, I need a change. Let the light of God dawn upon them today. Drive the darkness back, Lord. Let the light shine greater than this ever has. Because we know, Lord, the evening time, it shall be light. Therefore, we have a promise of that light still being with us today. It hasn't left the church. It never will leave the church. But that light will work in us so greatly till it not only changes us from a life of sin, but it changes the very molecules of our body. And we leave this old house of clay. This old pest house. And it's so transformed. To never go back to old age again. To never go back to sin again. To never have one wicked thought again. Oh God. Oh God. Bless your people today I pray. Let the light just burst forth in this time that we're living in greater and greater. Lord, may our expectations be for more of you, Father. More of you, Lord, in our church. More of you in our families. More of you in our everyday life. Not less light, but greater light. Pour it out, I pray. Move in Jesus' name. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch.
So draw me, call. 